just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, sometimes you think a post-election week will be a slow news week. And then you remember, there is no such thing as a slow news week in our booming Salt Lake City. Lead producer Emily Means joins me for our weekly news roundup. Here's what went down in the city, from wider highways to restaurant closures. Today's Friday, November 18th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Emily Means... Welcome to CityCast Salt Lake, City Weekly Reader voted Best Local Podcast in Utah. How does it feel to be the lead producer of the Best Local Podcast in Utah? It is so cool to be featured <laughs> in the City Weekly's Best Of. I have been picking up City Weeklies for, you know, the decade and more that I've lived in Salt Lake. Anytime mm-hmm. I head into my favorite coffee shop, I'll thumb through one and... I think the best part about this is that it's a celebration of you all. It's a celebration of our team. (laughs) It's really special to share this with y'all. Thank you. Thank you. In case you thought we weren't screaming when we found out, you should ask the good people of the shop co-working space (laughs) because they all had to deal with it. Um, But but we've recovered now and um, we're still stoked. So. Uh, Let's get into the news of the week, Emily Means. There is transit news, which I know always interests and inspires you. Okay, we kind of have public transit news. I guess what I would say is we have transportation news. So let me set the scene for you, Allie. You're coming home from Lagoon in Farmington. My job at eBay in Lehigh. Well, no, the opposite (laughs) direction, actually. We're going north to Davis County. Um, I don't know if you're uh-huh. often in Davis County. My family lives in Layton, so sometimes I will. Uh, sometimes I'll drive up there and visit. But uh, yeah, I get my legs lasered in Woods Cross, so yeah, familiar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Let's let's say that. But let's say you get your legs lasered in Farmington, which is <laughs> a little bit further north than Woods Cross. And okay. you're coming home from getting your legs lasered. You hop on. <laughs> you hop on I-15 South. Right now, from Davis County to Salt Lake City, there are like three to four regular lanes and one HOV lane in each direction Mm -hmm. of travel on I-15. Yeah. So it's a big highway. It's a big highway. We're looking at like eight to 10 lanes wide in total currently. So the Utah Mm -hmm. Department of Transportation is looking at widening I-15 to like about 
two times as many lanes. We're talking flex lanes. We're talking more general travel lanes. And (sighs) UDOT says they want to do this to accommodate population growth. Basically, they're saying if we don't do this, if we don't widen I-15, if we don't do something, if things stay as they are, then your commute times from Davis County to Salt Lake could triple by 2050. Hmm. So, listen, I-15 is pretty freaking big already. I'm very scared to drive on it as it is. Yeah, I don't like it. It goes really, really fast. There are lots of lanes. Mm -hmm. I don't know which lane I should be in. Everyone thinks they should be, I don't know, going, you know, 20 miles over the speed limit. Anyway, UDOT says this is something that they're looking at. It is not a done deal. But the legislature has already appropriated $1.6 billion for this type of project. Yes, that's billion with a B, Allie. So let's just talk about what people are saying about this project so far. There were some public hearings this week about this project, and there are lots of concerns about air quality, you know, like, will this widening of I-15 bring more cars and therefore more cars will bring more air pollution and yada, yada, yada. Like we know this story. We know how it goes here. Yeah. There are concerns about how this could impact neighborhoods, like literally physically impact Mm -hmm. the Rose Park neighborhood with this widening of I-15. Well, yeah, because when you're on that highway, like homes are very close. Yeah to that highway. It's not like either side of it is just like industrial whatever and you could bulldoze down a bunch of warehouses and move move them over to the inland <laughs> port, right? It's no, like people live there. It's like people live there. Like I buy my Christmas tree from that Christmas tree stand that's like basically on the edge of that highway in Davis County. And then the other thing that I'm thinking about as you tell me this is like the recent news that we discussed on this very show a couple weeks ago that they've closed some bus routes heading north that mm-hmm. direction, like up through Davis County and into Logan. And that feels like weirdly timed with the highway expansion. Like, yikes. Mm. Well, you know, I was looking through the plan and the the plan is like very, very detailed. It's very dry. I'm, I must confess I didn't mm. read all of it. But transit is not really a part of this particular conversation. Like they are talking mm. about I-15. They are talking about cars on I-15. Right. And... I think that we should be talking about transit more, right? Like, I think that this is widely agreed upon as something we want to see more of in Utah, especially in Salt Lake. And does this help us reach those goals? Right. I don't know. Yeah. It also feels like UDOT is kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth because on the one hand, it feels like, I mean, like listening to Governor Cox talk about how like we want this statewide network of trails. We want people to be able to like basically walk around the state, like the community of public transit and whatever, whatever. And then like at the same time, widening a highway into neighborhoods just feels kind of strange. The thing that I also am thinking about like in learning about this this week is just in Salt Lake City, like highways are basically our physical barriers for race and class. Like they divide our city by race and by class. And so widening them feels like weirdly symbolic to me. And I can't I can't quite put my finger on it, but I would say that like I'm scratching my head a lot thinking about what this means for like the east-west divide. Snaps to that. So 
There's a comment period, right? There like is. if people want to learn more or they're not interested. Um, you can learn more at UDOT's website. The comment period ends December 16th. And this is this is, it seems like just the first step in this process, Allie. They're gonna take a look at what people have to say about these options, see how it impacts their communities, if those impacts are mitigatable, and then you know, they're going to do another study on this project. So we're just kind of like at the beginning of this in terms of public engagement. And yeah, I, I would absolutely encourage people to use your newfound skills of public comment writing and uh, and get involved in this. It does feel weird that the public comment period is only like a month. Like this feels like a pretty big project. <laughs> We're talking about a billion plus dollars and other billion plus dollar projects in Salt Lake have had much longer comment periods thinking like, for example, the gondola, which it feels like had has had <laughs> it feels like years of public. We've comment. been debating this for years. No. Right. And then it's kind of weird for you not to be like, so we're really interested in what you have to say and you have one month. So, uh, <laughs> Allie, can I tell you what my mom said about this? So, yeah, because Mary Beth means, you know, she's she will be writing a public comment. She lives in Layton and she actually commutes to Salt Lake for work. So she does this drive every single day. And I texted her and I was like, Mom, what would you think if they widened I-15? And she says, and I quote, we have four lanes already. That's dumb. <laughs> so... <laughs> So my mother has spoken and uh, UDOT, I hope you're listening. She just she just <laughs> endured like an entire year of construction on Highway 89. So if you do this to her, let me tell you, she has a mean guilt trip. So Right. And she's a nurse. So basically, UDOT, what you're saying is that you hate health healthcare <laughs> workers. <laughs> okay, speaking of the people have spoken, I want to talk a little bit about election results. Let's. Because... Last week, Shireen Gorbani, who, shout out to Shireen Gorbani, recently named in City Weekly the second best wow. Utah after Elizabeth Smart. What? <laughs> Which, I'm like, that has to be your new Twitter handle. That is, is such an incredible designation. Um, but Shireen Gorbani and I, former Salt Lake County Council member, sat here and tried to make sense of county election results. And it was really hard because we didn't have a lot of them yet. But we, a race that was... Tight, 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 razor-thin margins was called this week, and that is Dr. Suzanne Harrison's race. And she is going to be on the county council now, which means that our Salt Lake County Council, which I feel like I say this a lot, if you're the kind of person who gets pissed at the city council a lot, I invite you to turn your attention to the county council because you we should be paying just as close attention to what they do as what our city council and our mayor's office does. Like they have a huge budget, they oversee a ton of decisions in our county. It feels like they own half the buildings <laughs> in the city from like the planetarium to a Bravanel Hall to all the pools. And so the county council, Solid County Council, now a five to four Republican mm -hmm. majority as opposed to six to three. And I think it's really interesting to see Dr. Harrison joining that council because I often feel sort of disillusioned by anyone's ability to get anything done in a political sphere. But this is a person who, I don't know, I just, I feel like Dr. Suzanne Harrison has really proven her weight in this county and in this state as a, voice um, of a reason. politician and as an elected. Yeah, like, she, you know, has run multiple races. She's, like, run races that she lost by one vote and come back, like, punching. She 
you know, flipped the only seat in the county. Like she just I think she's very beloved. And I'll be interested to see what kind of negotiating she does with her Republican allies on the county. Yeah, Ali, I think this is great to see for Salt Lake County's council. And this is great for Suzanne Harrison, I think. Think of how much yeah. more influence she can have as a Democrat on this council than mm-hmm. as a member of the Democratic super minority in the legislature. Yeah, I mean, she's really proven herself as a leader who is well-respected, who is coming at things from like a science-based perspective, um, especially when it comes Mm -hmm. to the pandemic. I loved listening to her as a voice of reason in the Utah legislature. Of course, she is a medical doctor, so that helps. Yep. And I don't know, I'm really excited to see Dr. Harrison on this council. I was reading the Salt Lake Tribune's article on this, and Blake Apgar, who wrote this story, writes in the article that Dr. Harrison handed Utah Democrats perhaps their most significant pickup of the 2022 election. And I think Mm -hmm. she should be really proud of that. I have a couple more thoughts on the Salt Lake County Council. One, please. I've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts, okay? I was surprised to know that there was no Democrat in the District 5 race. Whose seat is that? It was uh, Steve DeBry's seat. Steve DeBry was on the county council for many, many years. Um, Republican Sheldon Stewart beat Steve DeBry in the Republican convention or the primary. I don't remember if they went to primary or not. But the fact that the Democrats didn't put up a candidate in this race, I was like... What if they had put their money into this race, into local races instead of Evan McMullen? It all comes back to the McMullen problem, <gasps> right? Pew, 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 pew. I don't know. Shots but fired. I, I am guessing that District 5 in this county is pretty Republican, pretty conservative. It's kind of the southern part of the mm-hmm. county, and we know that there are a lot of Republicans down in that area. But just think, like, if they hadn't spent resources on this pretty much unwinnable Senate race. Could they have at least fielded a candidate in this race and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and flipped, flipped the majority to Democrat? I don't know. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that, like, for lack of a better term, I stand the county council is that it's like, If you think about the number of people that the county council represents, right, like if you're throwing your hat in a U.S. congressional seat in in Utah, you maybe will represent, you know, anywhere from 500,000 to maybe 800,000 people. If you're throwing your hat into the Senate, you're yeah, you're going to represent the whole state. That's three million people. But that's also so much money. So exhausting. It's probably already pre-written whether you win or lose before you even throw your hat in. Right. Dr. Suzanne Harrison is moving from the Utah legislature to the Sully County Council, where she is going to represent 1.2 million people, a third of the state's population, right? So, like, when we think about how do we make the Sully County Council seem, like, sexy and appealing and interesting, it's like, that is a ton of power. That is, if you're a politician, if you're looking to represent as many people as possible, man, run for those seats. That's crazy. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Good good point. Can I tell you my like my like key takeaways from this this election in Salt Lake yeah. County? I have four. Ready? One, voters just didn't seem that excited to vote, generally. <laughs> Turnout was pretty why? low. I wonder. So I wonder uh, why. 
We got to figure out how to make voters more excited. Two, related to point number one, voters seem to like issues more than candidates. People turned out more when there were ballot initiatives on the ballot. People like voting on ideas more than people is my personal takeaway from this election. Three, election fraud conspiracies annoy people. They're sick of hearing about how your election was stolen. Get over it and run again. Move it along. Four, the most powerful entity in Salt Lake County is districting. <laughs> Some of these seats were won or lost based on where the boundary lines were drawn. And the redistricting process is so big and so important. We're stuck with what we've got now for 10 years, but that is the most powerful entity in our county and I think in our state in terms of how we elect people is districts, and we should never forget that. End scene. <laughs> well done. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you wanna learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Okay. Okay. Let's keep it moving. Allie, I have some sad news for you. Tell me. I can handle it. Brace yourself, okay? Some beloved restaurants are closing in Salt Lake. We already saw this with Hector's on 33rd South, a longstanding Mexican restaurant beloved by all. Now, yeah. the Le Madeline pastry shop is closing. I love Le Madeline. Me too. I have many fond memories during the early days of my career when I could barely afford uh, anything except a <laughs> pot of chili to tide me over the whole week. I would treat myself to a mad muffin at Le Madeline. So mm -hmm. good. So mm -hmm. good. 
But yeah. uh, this yeah. story is a is a tale as old as the pandemic. It's a staffing issue. Staffing, staffing, staffing. No one can staff up in this economy where, you know, we have less than 2% unemployment in this state. And, and we're seeing the effects of that. And it's really sad. Yeah. And for anyone who's maybe had a lay Madeline pastry, but can't place exactly where this place is, it is on Fifth South, right next to like Taco Taco and the old Canela's, which may she rest in peace. That was one of my favorite bars in Salt Lake City. But like, yeah, right on that little strip. And I don't know. I feel like Lay Madeline fans kind of knew this was coming. Oh, yeah. The writing literally on the door where like every single... The hours we're getting <laughs> yes. wild. Like... Every other day, there'd be like a note on the door that says, hey, we have to close early today. So mm-hmm. sorry, we don't have enough staff. They closed yeah. the, the inside of the shop to diners during the pandemic and it never like reopened. So I don't know. I'm sad to see it go. And uh, uh, Romina Rasmussen, who's the owner and, you know, the brilliant mind behind uh, behind Lay Madeline, said that she was working seven days a week, 12 to 15 hours a day to keep this shop afloat. So um, sad to see it go. Their last day is December 30th. So, you know, go get your I never learned how to say this correctly. Kuyaman. Kuyaman? Kuyaman? I feel like it's G-H, right? So it's like, is it Kuyaman or like Kugaman? Kugaman. It's like a Pokemon. Anyway, go get your Kugaman from, gotta catch them all. Get your Kugaman. Get your Kugaman before December 30th and say hi to the folks at Lay Madeline. Say thank you to Romina for making our lives a little sweeter. Yeah. And I think file this story under we're still in a pandemic a little bit like true, true. file this story under like we are still feeling the effects of this pandemic and like business closures were not and are not limited to, you know, the first year or two of shutdown. It is like a lingering, creepy, crawly um, impact of how the pandemic shifted the economy. And also the unaffordability crisis, Mm -hmm. because like for every business that has to close because they can't afford to staff the way they need to, there are staff that can't afford to live the way they need to. And those two things are consistently in conversation. So I don't want to say I think we're going to see more businesses closing because I'm not going to manifest that, Emily means. I would never Um, forgive you. But I do think I think this is a, a blueprint for our local economy right now. Whoa. Sorry. Sorry. Want to hear some good news? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Okay. Um, I want to squeeze in this, like, what I would call basically a public service announcement quickly, which is apply for an ACE grant. If you're not familiar with the ACE grant, here's the skinny. It is a, like, round of funding that the Salt Lake City makes available via the mayor's office. And it's, I think, ACE stands for Arts, Culture, and Events. And They're basically these like little sort of mini grants. They range from $500 to $10,000. And it's money that the city makes available to organizations or individuals that just like want to do a cool thing. So maybe you want to make like a community event. Maybe you want to do a a vaccine clinic or like have a, a, a meetup for entrepreneurs or like there is such a broad swath of things you can do with it. But I feel like this is the kind of money that like people don't know is available to them and then it just gets left on the table. 
So if you and your neighbors want to get together and do something really cool, you should apply for an ACE grant. And it, the, the funding is open. It closes December 13th. They're going to notify people by late January. So you're probably looking at like funding for an event that you want to do next spring or summer or early next winter. But yeah, it's I just think like more people need to know about this kind of stuff. Thank you for that public service announcement, Allie. I didn't know about it. <laughs> Tell me, what would you do if you got Ace Grant money? Okay, I know exactly what of I would do. do. And it's my dream for Salt Lake City. Ready? This is my Salt Lake City dream. If if anyone at Salt Lake City Corporation is listening, this is my dream, okay? In the city of Montreal, which I think is the second greatest city in the world after ours. Night save. They have fully embraced winter. And they do this thing called Nuit Blanche. And it's the white night. And it's when the whole city is just like, guess what? It's the middle of February. It's freezing cold. It's probably a blizzard. But we don't care. We're going to go out and support all our local businesses. And every single thing in the whole city of Montreal is open all night. Every museum, all the public transit, every bar and restaurant, like the city is just alive for 24 hours. And it's kind of a giant party, but it's also a really cool like economic development initiative. So you can like get a glass of wine and then like go to an art museum at 3 a.m. And the whole point is like winter's here and we're not going to let it shut us down. And I think something like that in Salt Lake City would be so cool. And I would apply for an ACE grant to do it. Well, here are my taxpayer dollars. Allie, here are my taxpayer <laughs> dollars. Make it happen. Make it happen. I think we just, as a city, we have to stop like shutting down all our street fairs and festivals in the winter. Like, guess what? We live somewhere with winter. We can still get out there. I think that's a great idea. Is there something you would dream um, of? Absolutely what not. Would you I dream thought this money of? could be used for anything, and it would have been clearing the gutters so that the intersections don't flood when it rains, <laughs> but not the same. Not the same. There's no like arts and culture and entertainment angle I can take with that. <laughs> well, I will tell you, one of your favorite Salt Lake City festivals did receive an ACE grant last year, and that's Festa Italiana. <gasps> Festa Italiana. Oh, my God. Yep. I love Festa Italiana. Yeah. So you could apply for an ACE grant to host a sp spaghetti eating contest. They already do that. <laughs> Anything. It's Anything. just me. Anything. It's just me. And you watch me eat spaghetti, actually. <laughs> For hours. That's not very communal, Emily, <laughs> but okay. Allie, what are you doing this weekend, huh? <sighs> okay, I'm like scared to tell you, but I'm going to be honest and speak my truth, which is I'm going to watch the World Cup. What's wrong with that? I love the World Cup, Emily. You, are you not a because... citizen of the world? Are you not a global citizen, Allie? <laughs> I am. I am. And I'm also Hispanic and we love soccer and we love the World Cup. And like, I think it is the most fun sports event ever. I love it. I love the Olympics one inch. I love the World Cup a mile. Like, I think the World Cup is such a blast. And my personal favorite way to go about the World Cup is just you pick like three countries and you're like, these are the countries I'm rooting for. And then when they get knocked off, you kind of move down and root for whoever is left. But I think, you know, oh, it's just such a blast. It's such a blast. It's such a blast. But it's in Qatar this mm. year. And there are really notable human rights abuses happening there. And it just feels it just feels kind of icky. And so I don't know. I feel like I want to be like, I'm not watching the World Cup. But the reality is I am. And I'll just probably do it in a wig and sunglasses. <laughs> That'll teach him. Well, wasn't the last Olympics yeah, in I China? Mean, There's right. a problem with these sporting events. Yeah. 
Well, I always root Mexico and then Spain and then like based on whoever's left once they're both out because Spain usually makes it pretty far. I kind of just pick another team to root for. And yeah, you heard me. I'm not rooting for the U.S. men's wow. team. I always root for the U.S. women's team, but it is what it is. So yeah, so I'll be watching the World Cup and I asked people on Twitter where I should be watching it in Salt Lake besides Beer Bar and no one had a single clue. So <laughs> if you have a... Well, they have those big screens. They do, but there have to be other like great watching soccer haunts. So if there is one, please DM us or call us or find a way to let us know because I want to go there. Emily, what are you doing this weekend? This weekend, speaking of sports ball, um, I've seen a mm-hmm. listen. I've been kind of busy with like the election, you know, um, with mm-hmm. other news things. So I got to admit, I haven't been paying as much attention to our beloved jazz, but things don't seem to be going as hot as they were when we started. Uh, so yeah. the jazz are playing the Phoenix Suns tonight at the Vivint. Mm-hmm. And right now they have a 10 and six record. And I just still got to say, um, F the haters and we're going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to be watching the jazz game uh, from home. Okay. I love how you call it the Vivint, like how my mom says the Batman. <laughs> what? The Delta Center, the former Delta Center. That's right. That, oh, quit showing yeah. off. We get it. You're yeah, a local. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bona fide Salt Laker, as uh, City Weekly described us. <laughs> Emily Means, it's always fun to talk about the news with you because you make it fun even when it's sad or frustrating. So thanks, thanks. Ali. Same to you. Have a great Have weekend. A great weekend. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Therina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Bayarta. Music is by the fabulous local band, Mitochondria. We will be back Monday morning with more from around the city. And you have a great weekend. Emily, listen to this episode title that I just wrote. Life is a highway, I want to ride it, Kugamon. I'm sorry, I can't even not laugh.